professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense, dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. AWA Championship Wrestling. The AWA presents the greatest stars in professional wrestling, bringing you the best in mat action. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where two friends get together and talk about the story behind the matches. I'm Matt. And I'm Michael. Welcome to episode 23, Super Clash 3. The best in Matt action. Take it away. The third annual Super Clash. It's the third one? It's the third one. Uh, Where were we for the first two? They weren't on pay-per-view. This is the uh, only one ever produced for pay-per-view. You know what the biggest problem with wrestling is? Uh, that not everything was on pay-per-view? No, that there's just too fucking much of it. Oh, there's quite <laughs> a bit of it. This, uh, I guess, is produced by the AWA. It was held at the University of Illinois Chicago Pavilion in Chicago, Illinois. The UIC. On December 13th, 1988. A Tuesday night. Wow. Like, December 13th, that's not close enough for, like, people to be on vacation. Maybe, like, in the late 80s, everybody just, like, took all of December off and America was great. I know what it was. Uh, the AWA was actually originally part of the NWA until the late 1950s. Um, but it had been running as an independent territory ever since. Some famous alumni of the AWA, since this will be the only show we ever cover of it, thought I'd give a little context. Yeah, bring it on, baby. Uh, Vern Gagne, who we'll talk about more later. Of course. Nick Bockwinkle, who's a famous name. Yeah, these are all in the Dusty Finish. (laughs) And many of the WWF greats that we Mm -hmm. know, such as Hulk Hogan, Mean Gene, Bobby Heenan, Adrian Adonis, Ken Patera, and Jesse Ventura. I mean, there's uh, there's some some big boys in there, and there's some, uh, some, like, flash fry boys in there, too. I added a few in there just Yeah, yeah. No, you should. Totally. The Super Clash, basically AWA were trying to go more national. They were trying they're kind of trying to do what like WWF did where they basically started to close so they were like, "Hey, there's only a few territories left, so we should just band together." And some of those promotions that were brought together for this show were from World Class Wrestling Association, WCWA. Is that it? Yes, but they were also... The WCCW. They literally just changed because they were the WCCW, yeah. the World Class Championship Wrestling. The Powerful Women of Wrestling. Pow! Pow. It's funny that it's P-O-W-W, even though it's Powerful Women of Wrestling. So it's like, it doesn't make any sense, but who cares because it's awesome. Uh, Championship Wrestling Association, which is the CWA. Memphis, right? Memphis. And the Continental Wrestling Federation, Oh, I, didn't, I don't think I got that one. I missed that one. Well, the only reason I got that one was because they actually, uh, the announcer says it at the very beginning of the show. Oh, uh, okay. I wonder who on the show is from there. I do not know who is from what. Yeah. I, other than... Whenever there's, I mean, a t- I know, whenever there's a title belt. Yeah, they do that for sure. And then, like, obviously, POW is... Because... Uh, and POW's the women, yes. Yeah, and well, POW um, is, like, a, a northern... It's the same guy that uh, did the original Glow. Yes. And then he went... 
After that, he went to the like Glowfell. Yeah, Glowfell. He went to the north, and, and he, he went back pow. to Indiana, where he actually was a prom, uh, he had learned promoting yeah. from another. And he person. changed it to Pow, but a lot of the a handful of the a women from of there the same. are the same with a different name. And I guess Pow, instead of being more of the skit style, like Pow was supposed to be more about the in ring work, whereas like the original Glow was more. Kind of like, I mean, there's in-ring work, but it's yeah. more skitty and stuff like that. So they're like, it was like they're if Glow was the WWF, then uh, Pow would be the NWA. Sounds about right. But I mean, good luck finding any of that stuff. Yeah, exactly. So the attendance for the show was one thousand six hundred and seventy-two people. <sighs> Move over, Vince McMahon. And the buy rate was zero point five. That's such a shame. So that makes me want to cry. Half of a percent of the people who were buying pay-per-views bought this pay-per-view. That's a sh- that's such a shame. Like, how big is this? I mean, this is not a big building. No, it's probably not a huge it's building. It's probably like a two-cap. I mean, it could probably hold at least 25 35. Cap? You think so? I don't know. We're just making stuff. There's no way this building still exists. I don't know. It might. <laughs> so it's now the Credit Union One Arena. And it's a 9,500-seat multi-purpose arena. Yeah, but, like, I don't think the original bill... I th- I'm sure it was smashed down. 1, it was 000? renovated in 2001. Yeah. So it may have added some seats. It's kind of like the Myriad back in the day didn't hold that many people. But, I mean, I don't know. I'm not trying to get hyper-local over here, but 1,670... I feel like it, it looked... Maybe it's just the way it was shot. This is where Starcade 87 was. Oh, okay. I'll just shoot me in the mouth, I guess. Star K seven definitely had to have more than. Uh, I totally missed that note. Yeah, Whenever I put yeah. my notes together. <laughs> it's all good. But some context around what else was happening around December thirteenth: "Dirty Rotten Scoundrels" would be released the same week. I've never seen that movie. I've never seen it either. But uh, maybe we maybe we'll do uh, the next episode. Will just be us watching "Dirty Rotten Scoundrels." Uh, probably not. I mean, I don't know. Maybe even Jesse Ventura is in it. I know the. I know that. I know exactly what the. No, that's Death Becomes Her, I think. I'm trying to think of what the I know the what the VHS, movie's about. Oh, I I think I know what the VHS cover looks like. But I'm wrong. I'm thinking of a different movie. It's uh, Steve Martin and John Cleese on the cover. Or is that... Maybe that's Fish Called Wanda, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know either. It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't, doesn't matter. The whole point is neither of us saw it, so who cares? But I see that your next note, and it, it uh, kills me. A, a sad note, because I don't, I don't like bringing up deaths, but... It, it but we a, are talking about wrestling. But it was a major one at yeah. the time. Uh, Roy Orbison would actually pass away from a heart attack the did, week before this. Did show. you know that Roy Orbison's my uh, favorite singer of all time? I do, and that's the reason why. I, I put oh it there. well, thank you. That's a true friend. Roy Orbison had a bizarrely sad life and made a bunch of amazing music, and you should listen to it. Like his whole family, like he had like a wife and that like died in a motorcycle accident, and then like almost all of his family burned up in his house. It's like. The guy had a reason to wear those dark sunglasses, because uh, if I was him, I would have cried myself into a grave as well. So let's but get on a higher note. On a higher note, let's just get right <laughs> to the show and not talk about death anymore. <laughs> yeah, but listen to Robertson and cry a little bit. So the logo of the AWA flashes on the screen as we're welcome and told the show has been sanctioned by the AWA, the WCWA, the CWF, and the CWA. What about Pow? It's not. I it wasn't sanctioned. They make a big point to do like the whole like athletic commission stuff. Yes, uh, they announce 
Gary Capetta comes on. He's a ring announcer. He starts reading a bunch of names of people that are at ringside. Yeah, it goes on commission. for a while. They I show him sitting there. I didn't get any of those It's like things. the least interesting thing to me. Though, like, as soon as he started saying those names, I was like, uh, we're getting the Great American Bash ending, aren't we? <laughs> we'll find out. But Larry Nelson is joined at ringside by Lee Marshall to preview the matches. I don't know who Larry Nelson is. Is Larry Nelson the guy with the uh, the mullet? beard? Oh no, I like Larry Nelson. He's got a good look. He was the guy that was in the back. Yeah, I like him. He's got a good look. It's the guy at the ring. Yeah, Lee the... Marshall is yeah. one of the announcers. Uh, he was actually the in-ring announcer for uh, the Los Angeles portion of WrestleMania too. Okay. Is he, um, is he the, he's not the mullet guy. He's the mullet guy. Okay, yeah. He looks sleazy as hell. Yes. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's a guy. But we'll find out which one of these two men are the sleazier of the two oh, before wow. the show ends. Matt's got dirt that I don't got. Uh, Marshall and Ray Crippler Stevens are announcers for the in-ring action. For the evening. Stevens is actually an NWA wrestling observer and two-time professional wrestling Hall of Famer. Well, goddamn, son. He was a pretty good wrestler back in his day, and but like they, like I think he's on camera for like three seconds. Yeah, he he's just one of it. One old guy at a desk. Yeah, it's not a desk; it's a folding table. But we're calling it a desk. Try to keep it classy. So we're headed off to our first match. We got Chavo Senior, Mondo, and Hector Guerrero Woo! versus Cactus Jack. Bang bang! And the Rock and Roll RPMs of Mike Davis and Tommy Lane. Cactus Jack, also known as <laughs> Mankind, Dude Love, Dude Love, and Mrs. Foley's baby boy. Oh, thank you for that. Oh my God, is a professional mouth. wrestling. WWE and Wrestling Observer Hall of Famer. Chavo, obviously I kind of spoiled it. I said Chavo Sr., so that kind of tells you that probably he's the father of Chavo Guerrero Jr. Yes. Uh, Mando was the trainer for Glow. I know that. So if you watch yeah. the show Glow yeah. and you see... Yeah, they the, did all the, their own stunts. I think they did all think, their own stunts for the I, show. I think it was Chavo Guerrero Jr. actually playing the part... Yeah, of, of yeah, what, of his yeah, father. Like he plays like there's like his sister or whatever yeah. is like the uh, I don't know if it's Machu Picchu. It's one of the yeah, one of the bigger Machu roles. Picchu. Yeah, yeah. But there is a, a spoiler alert, a like like moon salt in the third season, and I'm like, there's no way Allison Green just did a moon salt, like because if she broke her neck, they'd be uh, Netflix would be screwed. I love that they they're doing crazy moves on that show. Unfortunately, okay, we won't talk about Club, but continue. But that's yes. nice. That's fun. Uh, also, Hector Guerrero looks exactly like, like Eddie Guerrero. <laughs> and I mean, it's, him and Eddie looked quite a bit alike. Oh, it's and, insane, yeah. I mean, Eddie's, uh, old, Eddie's a little Eddie's, more handsome. Eddie's the younger brother of these three. Yeah, yeah. He's just a little more handsome. But Hector and, looks like he should be his dad. Yeah. They look the same. We have seen Mike Davis before at Starcade 1984. That was a while ago. Two. Oh wow! And we are now on episode twenty-three. So. so yeah, no wonder I don't remember Mike. Uh, he lost the NWA Junior Heavyweight Title in that on that show. To who? Some other guy who I, I don't mean. Remember. You said like light heavyweight, so I'm like, oh, that piques my interest. I'm like, oh, there must have been a flip or a head scissor. Oh, there was. It was a it was a fun opening. Match. I think it might have been one of those matches where we're like, oh, I wasn't ready I for remember, head scissors. I remember the finish because it was the uh, the German suplex, and they counted the three count. But they, the person who did the suplex is the person who lost. Oh, wow. 
I feel like and we didn't understand what was going on because <laughs> no, they didn't that's... explain anything back then. Yeah, that's true. Uh, maybe that was the match that started with a bunch of head scissors, and we were like, "What?" But maybe not. I don't. Remember. I know that it was early been. on where I was like very surprised. So the match starts. I digress. Who's Tommy Lane? He's a he's a member of the RPM side. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I really know. Hector sidesteps the RPMs to, as they run into each other after running the ropes. Hector puts Davis in a headlock and Lane in a head scissors and dumps them both to the mat. Guerrero's working over Jack's leg, and Chavo takes down Lane with a head scissor. The RPMs send Chavo to the ropes and attempt a double clothesline, but Senior ducks and delivers a crossbody. Hector and then Mando both jump in the ring for splashes onto the fallen RPMs. This match is so fun. Cactus Jack then comes in and is knocked down with a right hand by Chavo, so that all three men are now laying in a row, and the Guerreros all pile on for a pin. Ugh. But to no avail. It's a pile on. It's so stupid and so fun. And like Hector is just like jumping for the sake of jumping. And it rules. So the RPMs and Jack start working over Chavo. They've gained control. But Chavo escapes after a knife edge chop to make the hot tag to Hector. Who flips into the ring to give drop kicks to everyone. Yes, he does three drop kicks immediately. But he like he flips into the ring. Kind of like a Hangman Page slingshot. Yeah, it's like it's lariat. like a, it's like a slingshot lariat, but it's a slingshot flip, and then three drop kicks. Yeah, and it rules. We see all six men brawling in the ring. RPMs are holding Hector for a clothesline, but Guerrero ducks and then gives a drop kick to send Davis to the floor. Hector then hits a plancha to the floor. Mando goes to the top rope and does something to Cactus Jack on the floor. We don't know what it is. We, didn't we don't it. see it. We they... only got a couple cameras here, guys. And then Chavo does a reverse <laughs> moonsault on the lane in the ring for the pin and the win. How much action can you get in like 30 seconds of like the end of a match? Less than that. It's like 15 seconds. And like there's like three guys doing like a bunch of amazing shit all at once. It was, this match is so much fun. <laughs> it's like, it was like, this is how you start a pay-per-view. At, at first, I was all like, oh, it's Cactus Jack. Cool. Cactus Jack is the probably the least entertaining. least entertaining person. This is not a hardcore match. No. And I mean, this is like before that's a thing. But like, yeah. he. Did, I think that uh, he has very funny gear on because it looks like he's wearing like, he's got like the he weird. He looks like he's just wearing sweats. He's, well, no, like, no, he's wearing like the, uh, like, the kind of like onesie deal. But like, instead of it going over the shoulders, there's a strap between the, like, the back or whatever, and it's a bad look on uh, McFoy. And this is a, a moderately Not handsome Not that he ever has anything that just looks amazing. <laughs> no, that's true. I mean, he looks about, he looks as good, he looks better here than he's ever going to look until then. Not gear-wise, but, like, no, physically. Yeah. Physically, yeah, because yeah. he gains probably another 50 to 75 pounds before yeah, he's a big we guy ever here. see him again, probably. Yeah, he's, he looks good here. I mean, he looks good in early WCW. And then the girls are... The Guerreros for a reason. Like They're, everyone knows yeah. who the Guerreros are. This is all these white guys just allowing. Like you know, the Guerreros set up this match, and they're like, "Hey, this is where you need to be, and just follow us, and we are going to get our shit in. We're going to start this pay per view hot." Exactly. It's super obvious, but to no fault of the white guys of the RPMs, RPMs and Cactus Jack, they put themselves where they needed to be, and they put on a banger of like a three minute match that uh, is fun. Any time of the day. So we head to the back. Larry Nelson's there with Nina, the POW world champion. Oh, is Nina the... Did you know who Nina was? She's not... Is she the one in the pink? No, she's the one in the blue. 
Oh, um, she looks vaguely familiar. She becomes Ivory. Oh, that's Ivory. She did look like Ivory. I know Luna Vachon shows up. Luna Vachon shows up. We'll talk more about uh, yeah, pal later. Uh, about and Nina she did kind of look like Ivory because Ivory always kind of looked a little bit older in the late nineties. Yeah. But you know that yeah, that's crazy. But Nina says that she's excited to be there, and ten k is a good reason to get rowdy. It's a bra and panty match. Don't forget that. It's not technically they, a bra But that's what they, they call it a lingerie match. We'll get to the title of it. It's yeah. silly. So we're headed off to our second match of the night. We got Eric Embry versus Jeff Jarrett. I know. He looks so handsome. For the WCCW World Light Heavyweight Championship. When was that's the last time you thought Jeff Jarrett was a light heavyweight? I mean, does, is he a light heavyweight here? He looks like a pretty big strapping boy. He was pretty thin compared to what he is. <laughs> I mean, aren't we all? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Don't we all look better at 28? But Jeff Jarrett is a 22. TNA and WWE Hall of Famer. TNA's got a Hall of Fame. TNA does have a Hall of Fame. Good for them. There's not too many people in the TNA Hall of Fame. I mean, you know, there's some guys that... I think Angle and Jarrett are the only two in both. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't think... Maybe Sting. I'm oh, sure. I was going to say Joe, but like Joe's ROH Joe's guy. Yeah. Joe's not in the WWE yet. If, he's, if he is in the TNA. He's not in the WWE. All oh, time. he's definitely not. Yeah, never mind. I was just thinking of... Yeah, he's definitely not in the WWE one. They'd have to do something with him first. Exactly. So the match starts. It's very back and forth with lots of reversals. Embry goes for a hip toss, which is reversed by Jarrett, which is reversed by Embry, which is reversed by Jarrett. And then they are in the ropes. Jarrett gains control with an arm lock, but Embry reverses it into a hip toss and a clothesline. Both men running the ropes, and Jarrett hits a clothesline. Double J comes off the ropes with a crossbody, but Embry ducks, sending Jarrett through the ropes to the floor, hurting his shoulder. Not the shoulder. An Irish whip is reversed by Jarrett, which is then reversed by Embry to send Double J to the corner. Embry charges in, but gets a boot to the face. Jarrett goes off the comes off the second rope with a drop kick but lands on the hurt shoulder so he can't make the cover. Double J tries a sunset flip, a backslide, and a small package, but all for two counts. Oh, they're also quick too. It's nice. He's like tries all three of like the quick pins, like back to back. Back to back to back. And it's a really fun sequence. Jarrett tries for another sunset flip, but Embry reverses it into a pin of his own for the win. And new Light heavyweight blah blah blah, blah championship. WCCW <laughs> World World Heavy Lightweight Championship. Yeah. But it was the it's the double J versus the double E. I liked Embry in this match. Like, yeah. Both both these guys looked real I mean, Jarrett definitely isn't as skilled as he, he's still pretty brand new at this point in his career. Yeah, but he just and looks, he's basically looks... the only reason he's even getting any kinds of chances is because of his dad. What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Embry carried him. Through but he this carried match. him well, and like Jared did the sold the shoulder well without it being like annoying. Yeah, and like Embry like worked the shoulder, and they told a story in like the like three minutes they had. They told the story well. Yeah, exactly. I am not mad at it, uh, and also, who knew Jeff Jarrett was ever handsome? I mean, he was going to be a country music star. You gotta be working nine. You gotta be somewhat handsome to be a country music star, right? I guess so. So Lee Marshall interviews Embry at ringside. What does Embry have to say? I didn't, I didn't really have any 
They didn't really say anything of note. <laughs> I, that, that is the one thing about the show is like no one really says anything of note in yeah. the promos. I'm mentioning it because it happened, but nothing really happened. Yeah, he's like it's back where it, he says it's the belt's back where it belongs, and you know he brought it back from South Africa because I guess it, somebody in South Africa had the belt at some point. You know, I, I didn't go yeah. and look at the lineage of oh, this the is what, this CCW. Is, this is all only the things he said from his promo that I, that I have here. And uh, he's going to go check on Double J. So he puts Double J over. He, he says, I'm going to go check on Jeff Jarrett. Oh, I guess and they're I, friends. And it's like one of those things. It's like it was kind of like he's like, oh, like the young kid. Like, you know, he gave his he gave a good effort, blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, it was kind of nice. But So then we go to the back. Larry Nelson's back there with the Syrian terrorist. Talking, I love the terrorist. And Nelson goes, it's a pleasure to look at you. He's not wrong. And Terrace goes, as hot as the desert sun, don't you agree? Yes. She goes, look at me, I'm as hot as the desert sands or sun or something like that. It's great. Nelson's pretty much at a loss for words. I mean... The terrorist is... Very attractive. She's a very attractive lady. She also uh, is doing like this fun accent, and she's like super in character, and it's fun. Uh, if you watch Glow, because we're just going to continue to bring up Glow. Yeah, because it's, it's fun. Because she is one of the characters that. Well, she's like she's a mix on... between like one of the Glow characters. Like the... well, one of the Glow characters is based on what she was when she was in Glow. And, yeah. Well, no, the, there was a blonde lady that was the Russian in Glow. But the thing no, is, no. like with. Not Allison Bree's character. It's um, the it's the girl with the bomb that's wrapped around her. Oh, at one oh point. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. who this girl was. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That's funny. It's not, a, it's, not, it's not a one-to-one. No, no. They kind of mix them together and, like, yeah. you know, whatever works best. Yeah. But then, like, the spirit is there, kind the of. The spirit of the character, yeah. But, yeah. So then we head off to our third match. We got Jimmy Valiant. Versus the Boogie Woogie Man. The Boogie Woogie Man, Jimmy Valiant, versus Wayne Bloom. Who's Wayne Bloom? I have no clue. Me neither, continue. Bloom attacks from behind as the bell rings. Valiant responds with some right hands, a back elbow, and then a wobbly elbow drop. The elbow party. For the pin and the win. (laughs) How do you spell squash? J-I-M-M-Y. Boogie Woogie Man. And yes, this match did take 24 seconds, and hopefully I took less than that to tell you about it. I uh, I loved it. I'm just happy to see Boogie Woogie Man, and he got a huge pop. The crowd loved it, too. I'm not alone. <laughs> From what I understand, Wayne Bloom was a rookie in the AWA, while Jimmy Valiant is a 55-year-old man hanging on for dear life in wrestling, and they let him squash the rookie. Maybe they thought they Seems get a like a good way to build new stars in the AWA. You leave Jimmy Valiant. You I'm not saying anything about Jimmy Valiant. I'm saying know, I'm talking I about know. AWA's yeah. practices. It's it is what it is. Was it was it ever going to succeed? Uh, who knows? Not without old Teddy T. But then Larry Nelson's in the back with David McLean and Bambi, and as we mentioned earlier, David McLean uh, was the creator of POW and also created Glow. And they kind of they give the rules for the lingerie street fight battle royal. It's not their <laughs> clothes can either be ripped off, okay, or the ladies can be thrown over the top rope. It's a battle. To be it's a battle royal, except for they were trying to sell a little bit of teal, but hey, who doesn't like a little TNA? Everybody yeah, I... who watched Bischoff and Hogan, <laughs> God. I'm letting it die. I'm letting that joke die. 
I hope you like and the moving joke. on. <laughs> so we're headed off to the fourth match: Iceman King Parsons Ooh. versus Brickhouse Brown for the WCCW Texas Heavyweight Championship. They're both wearing like the same color blue. Was it, is it Parsons has the most amazing haircut? I, I literally wrote, "What is up with his hair?" He's he has got, a Mr. Stop, a Mr. T style mohawk. No, no, it's like and the reverse. And the mohawk. sides are grown out with bleached ponytails. Yeah, no, I think it's like shaved. It's shaved in the middle, and then he's got like the kind of the he animal. Has a, he has Does like he? a mohawk. Okay, right here. I thought he had like the kind of the. It's like, the, it's that shaved mohawk that like. I thought he had like the Road Warrior like like reverse mohawk on the side, and then it was braided down, and then he had like the blonde ponytails hanging out the sides. Pretty close. I mean, I mean it's whatever. Kind of in between. The whole thing is, uh, it looks amazing, and uh, Brickhouse Brown also looks amazing. And uh, these Do you guys, know how he got the name Brickhouse? Just let just let me know. What's the joke? I don't have it in me. Because he was built like a shit, shit house. Brick, shit, br- yeah, shit brick Brickhouse. House, yeah. Shit house. Brown doesn't that's, go over too well. That's not nice. No. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I, that's what I assumed. I thought you were going to go a little deeper than that. No, that's okay. literally all Because, uh, yeah, because he's a brick house. House. Uh, pate pate. That's what this match was, too. This match is a party. I think it's very fun, and uh, these guys have so much charisma. There's pep in their step, and they know how to move. So Brown starts running the ropes, and after a couple of leapfrogs, Parsons is dancing until Brickhouse gives him a drop kick descending to the floor. Which lets Brown do some dancing. These guys dance after like every right hand. It's amazing. Brickhouse with a pair of shoulder tackles running the ropes. Parsons puts his head down and Brown grabs him and turns it into a backslide pin attempt. Iceman then sends Brown to the ropes, hits a flying knee on the return. Brown is then running the ropes and hits a crossbody on Parsons. Iceman has Brickhouse set up for a powerbomb, but Brown reverses it into a back body drop and then begins firing away with punches. Brickhouse with another crossbody and goes for the pin, but Parson gets his foot on the rope. But Brown thinks he's won the match and Hell is yeah. celebrating. Hell yeah, he thinks he won the match. Iceman then grabs an FO, hits Brickhouse in the jaw for the pin and the win. Who does he get the FO from? Or does he pull it out of his trunk? He pulls it out of his trunk. Oh, everyone's, everyone's packing heat down below the waistline. This old, this old Texas tricks right here. Like everybody in Texas. Was rocking an FO. Rocks an FO. So we go to Lee Marshall, who interviews Iceman King. Also, uh, like I'm pretty sure after this match, the crowd is being nasty. Are they saying a few words? <laughs> They're saying one word. I don't think. I, I don't think have. we mentioned that both Parsons and Brickhouse Brown are of the African American. Yeah, they put on an amazing match, but I'm pretty sure after this match, since uh, King Parsons is the heel, there is a lot of like I. I don't know if it was. Clear, but I heard a lot of stuff that I wish that I wouldn't. I was like, why are we not getting rid of this WWF? I mean, you know, it is what it is. We shouldn't alter history, but at the same time, it's just like, ugh, this feels gross. So Lee Marshall's interviewing Iceman, and he says, I taught Brickhouse everything I wanted you to know, not everything I, I know. know. Yeah, and he also calls him Outhouse Brown, which is very funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. And then I think we found out where Rock got the famous line, "You Rudy Poo." Oh, That's how he ends the. That's how he ends the interview. Does he? Oh man, that's good. So then we go to the back with Larry Nelson. He's there with Brandy May and Pocahontas. <laughs> she ripped my shorts. 
That's what Brandy May is really upset about. Somebody ripping her like I guess she had like some like some denim blue shorts that she loved and wore all the time, and like it's like you guys could have wrote a better angle than that, right? But how else are they going to tell us that there's a reason for this battle royal? Nobody needs an excuse in 1988 to have a bunch of women take You're their You're always complaining off. that you want a story behind the reason they do things, and they're giving you <laughs> The one. story is that it's 1988, and there's a terrorist there. And she could have strapped bombs to her, so that's not a good idea. They, they <laughs> literally don't ever, other than calling her the no. terrorist, they don't. Unfortunately, there's not a whole story here, and it's just like, oh, we just are going to throw a bunch of women in the ring, because maybe ratings. Now, my next two lines are pr- like kind of contradictory to each other, but first... Does anyone else get a pervy vibe from Nelson even worse than Lord Alfred Hayes? Because he is like, just like. Well, I mean, he's, I think he's doing a, I mean, they're, he's definitely doing a character. I, mean, I know he's doing like, a character. Yeah. Uh, also, Pocahontas talks about war dancing, which is, yeah. <laughs> it's very silly. But I think that he, uh, his back, like, he's pretty, he's kind of fun back there. He, he's not, he's no mean gene. No, he's no mean gene. But, and mean and gene. he's better than Lord Alfred Hayes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But without context, this next line... Mm-hmm, I'm listening. It may be the greatest line ever said. And Brandy May says it. For the first time, I'm not going to lose any of my clothes, and yours are coming off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right, Brandy May. I have nothing to say to that. Is that are they, was there a lot of striptas in 88? I don't know if anyone had pushed the envelope that far. Yet. Yeah, there's I no, mean, there's not really any women. Well, they're like there's there's your pal. Maybe they're like you know, I mean, in, in pal or glow or there's another one. I think the same guy did. I do know that like it's hard to find a lot of that glow stuff, but there's a a couple best of glow DVDs from like years ago, which I wouldn't mind tracking down for fun. So we're headed off to that fifth match. We got Wendy Richter and the Top Guns of Ricky Rice and Derek Dukes versus Bad Company. Of Paul Diamond and Pat Tanaka and Medusa Maselli. It's crazy that we get some Wendy Richter. It wasn't that long ago for Survivor Series. WrestleMania. That's where we saw her at. What, she, didn't she have a match? Was she not in the Survivor Series match? No, she wasn't oh, in the Survivor oh, Series must be match. high. I'm sorry. Bad Company and Medusa have Diamond Dallas Page mm. in their corner. And it's a mixed tag match for the AWA World Women's Championship and the yeah. AWA World Tag Team Championship. But it's not a mixed match because it's like only the women can fight the women. They definitely make that a yes. point to do that. Well, coming into the match, Richter was the women's champion and Bag Company was the tag champs. So each uh, team had a, yeah. had a different champ. That's way more smart and fun to do. And traditional mixed tag rules were in this one where ladies only wrestle the ladies, men versus men. But let's back up for a second because mm-hmm. we have a few... First timers, we have Medusa, who's also known as Alundra Blaze. Blaze. Yeah, she's great, and she's a WWE Hall of Famer. We all love her. There's an amazing match with her and like Bull Nakano that I think is just on W, on, just on YouTube. It's a great WWE match. And then, probably even more famously, Diamond Dallas Page uh-huh. is a WWE Hall of Famer as well. Yep, and a yoga slinger. God damn it! Well, we should shut up. He slings it. Jesus Christ. Talking of, talking about slinging, he takes the mic <laughs> to introduce his crew. Uh-huh. And then everyone starts brawling as the bell rings. The Top Guns and Richter have their opponents all in a different corner. Toss them to the center for them all to hit each other. And those guys are hitting those ropes hard. We got the wiggle ropes. Like the those, those loose 
bouncy ropes. Dukes would then hit a slingshot shoulder block on Tanaka, followed by a double-team back body drop, but Tanaka would send Duke to the ropes, and Diamond knees him in the back. Diamond with a side slam, a butterfly suplex, and then tosses Duke to the corner and charges in for a Bronco Buster, but Duke moves. Richter goes to attack Medusa, but is given a rubber band slam for her efforts, and the Medusa Irish whips Richter, who leapfrogs on her way back and knocks Apron off. Knocks Diamond off the knocks apron. Diamond <laughs> I got off you, the bud. apron. Richter goes for a drop kick, but Medusa moves. Richter then sweeps the legs and power bombs Medusa, but the pin is broken up by Diamond. Everyone's back in the ring brawling, and we get Medusa holding Richter, and Tanaka hits her with a savat kick, and they go for a second one, but Richter moves and Medusa is knocked down. Richter rolls Medusa over for the pin and the win. Even though it looked like both of her shoulders were like, yeah, like waving up in the air, and that kind of that was probably part of the thing because they're like, oh, we'll move this story forward, maybe this. So because of that, and, and new post match, Medusa is attacking Richter when Duke grabs her in a gut wrench suplex position, and Rice begins <laughs> spanking her. It's so awkward and not cool. Medusa's trying to escape, but Richter grabs her by the feet to try and bring her back into the ring, but Medusa's finally able to wriggle free. Also, like, free. Medusa is a fucking badass. She doesn't deserve that shit. And so we go to uh, Lee Marshall. He's starting to interview Medusa on the outside. Calls her the former women's champ, but Richter was the champ coming into the match, so... Mm, she was a maybe former? Maybe she a was former? a former, yeah. but she, was, she isn't She's not the, the most former. recent former, yeah. And you can see the terrorist actually standing behind him. (laughs) You can. But Medusa's, like, hot on the mic. Yeah, yeah, she's she's, really good. Yeah, I I love her. A bad company comes over, and they start yelling at Medusa for losing their titles, and Medusa slaps Tanaka. And then DDP says Medusa's no longer a part of the Diamond Exchange. He says she's a bimbo worth nothing. I don't even know the bimbo. (laughs) It's like, oh, my gosh. So, fun fact, actually. Well, they're looking for the belts, too, because they're like, they're, they ran off of the tag belts. Here's where that comes oh, okay, in. Okay, okay. So, originally, when the ring announcer, the way I understood it was whoever gets the pin wins both belts. That's the way I understood it. That's kind of what I assumed. And that's what it seems like the ref understood it to be as well. Yeah. But, the, but they decided that technically wasn't what it was. Yeah, but the heels didn't feel that. So way. a few days later, the tag belts uh, would actually. It's be kind returned. of fun though because they're like looking around for them. It's like, where are our fucking belts? Blah blah. blah. And see, that's what. That's why I was like, whenever Bad Company confronted Medusa on the outside, I was like, they're mad at her because she lost yeah, their well, tag belts. Which so would make the totally, most sense. So it's it like, totally it's, made sense. And then, and it's, then like, it's like, yeah, it's like two different ideas. It's like, oh, like, are you just trying to confuse everybody? So I guess technically the stipulation was if Richter had gotten pinned by Medusa, Medusa would be the champion. Yeah, but that's or not the story they told. If Top Guns pinned Bad Company, they would become the... Te- it was like, they just didn't tell the story very well. They didn't well. tell that story very well. But so the match was fun. It was fun. And Medusa is great. And Wendy Richter didn't look as good here as she has in the past, but she's still Wendy Richter, uh, you know. So Larry Nelson is then in the back with Carrie Von Erich. Oh my gosh. And he has okay, his, no, Carrie Von Eric and Holly. And he has his daughter with him, Holly. That's right. And Carrie says, how can there be more than one world champion? There's only, only one, one Eiffel, Eiffel Tower, Tower and one, one Mona, Mona Lisa. Lisa. It is uh, 
a pretty fun idea for like a promo, but he can't sell a thing. And it's like they, I think it's one of those things like, it's like he's so bad on the mic, they're like, just put your daughter in your lap because she's she's cute, uh, you're handsome and very cut. And he's kind of handsome in a weird way. He's handsome like a horse's, like, it's like, oh, that's a good looking horse. (laughs) It's like, it's still. Lex Luger or Carrie Von Eric? Carrie Von Eric. Because at least Carrie Von Eric's interesting looking. I agree. Okay. But neither of like, Lex Luger, I think, is ugly, and Carrie Von Eric is like, like in kind of like a putty handsome like Seinfeld putty okay it's where it's like ah oh. it's like he's handsome but fuck he's an idiot <laughs> and we're off to the sixth match we got Ron Garvin versus Greg Gagne for the vacant AWA International Television Championship why is it vacant because television championship well the reason mm-hmm. is because Ron Garvin was the champion and uh-huh. he had the title taken away from him after a controversial finish to a match. Oh. So they held it up. There was, so it was like a no contest. They're like, we don't know who won. Yeah, exactly. It was so probably like, like a no contest. Like we can't give so it to they... him, but you can't keep it either. That's kind of exactly. weird. That's That doesn't happen very well. And Greg Gagne, but, is that... Uh, that's Vern's son. son. Yeah. Yes. First of all, let's talk about the name of the title here for a second. I'm listening. The International Television Championship. Does that mean that it's only for international television? But we're showing this in America. It's the ITC, baby. No question. <laughs> it's the yeah, it's the ITC, baby. It, like I think Don't it's like it. it's like they were wanting to go with the Intercontinental title, but then they were like, but also the second best title in NWA is the television title, so we'll just combine them all to the yeah, international yeah. television title. It makes sense. I mean, you it know, no I mean, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> don't don't try and give them a pass. But we, I guess, we found out where Ronnie Garvin took JJ uh, Dillon's money. He went to the AW. <laughs> Previous uh, episode called Yes, definitely. So the match starts. Garvin slams Gagne's head into the turnbuckle a couple times and tries for a third, but Greg blocks and slams Ronnie's head into the turnbuckle. Gagne then sends Garvin to the opposite corner, charges in, but Ronnie moves, and Greg hits shoulder first. Gagne with the Irish whip and back body drops Garvin, but then Garvin tosses Gagne to the ropes, and Greg comes off for the sunset flip, but Ronnie stays up. Punches down. Ah, that's it. I love that spot. Garvin then sits down for a pin attempt, but Gagne flips him over for a two count of his own. Gagne is working on the arm before rolling Garvin over for a pin, but Ronnie gets his foot on the rope. The two men are trading punches until Garvin hits a pair of headbutts, and then Ronnie keeps choking Gagne until uh, Greg's able to chop away at Garvin's chest. Gagne then sends Garvin to the ropes and goes for a drop kick. But Ronnie holds on to the ropes. Garvin Irish rips Gagne, which comes off with a crossbody that takes both men over the top rope. Or at least they finally make it over after being <laughs> hung up for a few seconds. Yeah. It's a, it's a slow go. It, it's more real. This is the AWA, baby. And then Garvin slams Gagne's head into the announce table. But Greg returns the favor by running Garvin into the ring post before getting back into the ring. All of a sudden, the bell rings and Garvin's gets back in the ring, and locks a sleeper on Gagne. Greg escapes by using momentum to slam Ronnie's head on the turnbuckle, and then slap locks the sleeper on Garvin as the bell continues to ring. The official announcement comes that Greg Gagne is the winner by, by count-out. Count out. And, and you, 
But like I can't do that with any don't, enthusiasm. There's like still there's the, they went back in the ring for too long. It's like the bell should have rang before then. And then like I mean it have... rang before Garvin technically got back in the ring, yeah. so I knew exactly what had happened. There's but... a lot of quickies on this show. It's all pretty fun. So this this it's fun to see some this show is two and a half hours. Uh huh. We get twelve. Matches. We're done to the sixth match, mm-hmm. and I think we're about an hour into the show. Yeah. Um, like none of these matches was longer than seven minutes. Also, is it oh, you keep saying Gagne? And I always said Gagne, Greg Gagne, or you know, Vern Gagne. And I don't know. Like, I, I think mean, I am saying it incorrectly because there was a baseball player with the same uh, last okay. name and his last. They also, the that's same as like. Gagne. I mean, also, like you know, it doesn't look like either of the things we're saying, <laughs> particularly. But I was just like, oh. I was like, am I wrong? Am I right? You're I probably know. right, and I'm probably wrong. But I mean, I'm just basing it off of hearing other people say it. So I mean, it doesn't matter. The whole point is this match is over. Just think, this is how I'm saying American names. Wait till we get to Japanese <laughs> names. I'm moderately decent at it. Akira. <laughs> so Lee Marshall interviews Greg Gagne. Gan- Greg, Greg Gagne. Gagne. And we see Garvin being held back in the back, uh, behind him by a ref. Greg doesn't really say a whole lot. No, I and don't know. That he's yeah. not great. And he's another wrestler that basically is being pushed because of who his dad is. Yeah, he's like, challenge me like when you like, uh, you know... Uh, he blew it. He does some. He talks some shit on Chicago. He's like blah blah blah. Like my Vikings like steamrolled your Bears or whatever. It's like some dumb. It's like you know. It's just simple crowd work stuff. And basically, to come to find out, the reason for the countout victory is because Garvin did not want to lose cleanly as he was out the door to WWF. Yeah. So we'll see. The thing him. is, is like nobody saw this show. That's true. So. Just take a pen, man. Just take a pen. (laughs) It's whatever. So Larry Nelson's then in the back with Jerry Lawler. And Jerry Lawler has been told that Von Erich has a leg injury. How true that is... Is too true. (laughs) But it's not what everyone thinks it is. (laughs) No. Well, he says, are you going to go for the leg? And Jerry says, normally I would, but but I'm not. Is kind of what he says, basically. It didn't make any sense why. He's like, like, no, that's what he expects, so I'm going to do something different. So, I'm sure most of you know this story, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you anyway, because uh-huh. that's what this podcast Pull does. Pull out the tissues. In 1986... He says he does, he does, he says that Kerry Von Erich has muscles in most, in places that most people don't, and I fucking love that. That was a great <laughs> I was like, yeah, he's got muscles in most, in places, yeah. It's like, oh my god. That's, that's great. That's genius. So, the story behind the leg injury mm. of Von Erich was that he was in a motorcycle accident a couple years before Was this. it a couple years? Yeah, oh. and it almost ended his life. How could he? Yeah, he would eventually have to have his right foot amputated, mm-hmm. and basically the r- rumor is is that he just started walking on it before he should have, and that's what. Oh no! The, don't tell me that. That's disgusting that's and upsetting. Don't issue. say that. Don't um, tell me but that. But Carrie kept it a secret. On Eric's are huge in Texas and yeah. shit, so it's like, oh, like they kept it. They kept it under tight. No one really knew because he like literally would go to the extremes of like. Taking a shower, the boots on. on, yeah. So no one knows. I mean, he, Roddy Piper wrote him and Carrie were hanging out, and he would take his prosthetic off, yeah, in front of him. But so some people did know, but I don't but think like, a yeah. lot of people knew. No, and and the fans definitely weren't in on it. No, no, no. Like kayfabe was fucking real as fuck. Like if I didn't know, 
you before you, watching his match would ha- never I might have no, I might have noticed that something was weird, but I knew ahead but of time. But they told that, us that, that he had a leg injury, so yeah. I mean, no, that's yeah, that's a beautiful point. Also, on Eric's uh, family story is uh, super tragic. It's tragic as hell. It's super. There is a bit of a good thing that does happen in that, and there is one of them alive who has come to terms with all of this. But yeah. Sad shit aside, I guess let's keep going. So we're off to our seventh match of the night. Pow! We got Bambi, Peggy Lee Leather, Laurie Lynn. Wait a second, it's a street fight over the top rope lingerie match. Yeah. Did we say that? Not yet. Okay, sorry. Brandy May, Malibu, <laughs> Nina, Pocahontas, Syrian Terrorist, and Luna Vachon. In a lingerie street fight battle royal. Her name's Syrian Ter- I just like her as the terrorist. I mean, I saw on the show they just said terrorist, yeah. but I've seen Syrian terrorist yeah. mentioned other places. I think they just called her Luna as well, but like, I fucking love Luna Michonne. So, as we heard earlier, the reason for this match is because Brandy's it- May's shorts were ripped off by the terrorist. <laughs> Moving on. Nina, more famously known as Ivory, is a... She looked familiar. I knew that Ivory, like, that's crazy. I was like, is that... I feel like I had those inklings as I was watching, but... And also Luna, Vachon. Yeah. They are both WWE Hall of Famers. Are they? Yes. Good for them. I love Luna Vachon. Ivory's great, too. But I love Luna. So the match starts. All the girls just start brawling because that's what you do in a battle royal. And the announcers say, did you see that backbreaker that Luna just gave Pocahontas? And my answer was no. Nah, I can't. I the, did camera, not. the camera was not there. Clothes are starting to fly off. Lori Lynn is eliminated over the top rope. Pocahontas is eliminated because her clothes were torn off. Mm-hmm. Which we didn't see either. Like there's like people like if everyone's wearing like more clothes. So people get their like shirts ripped and stuff. But there's no and they like have lingerie. Yeah, underneath. but there's there's nothing like particularly like it's not attitude era gratuitous no, by any no. means. It's still like f- fucking kind of lame. But just it's, it's like it's, it's like it's like it's like yeah, lame, yeah. It's like this, as far as like it's supposed to be a TNA thing, and it's not that. But it's also not great wrestling, so it's just like kind of like a weird exploitation for the hell of it. But there's some good character work. Uh, Balbu and Nina are both eliminated over the top rope. Then we finally get a wrestling move of a hip toss by Bambi uh, on Peggy Lee Leather. Uh, Peggy Lee Leather. Can anybody talk like Peggy Lee Leather? <laughs> Lots of people probably can talk like Peggy Lee Leather. <laughs> Peggy Lee Leather and Bambi eliminate each other over the top rope. Luna goes to the top rope to, to do some kind of move, but Brandy May punches her and Vashon falls to the floor to be eliminated. They take some time doing that, though, don't they? They do. Yeah, Luna looks fun here. She's got like a cool-ass like metal shirt on. And like cool hair, and she has like Luna is metal. What metal Luna about? rules, but like she's got like the kind of like uh, the veiny like makeup where it's like light blue lines on her face, mm-hmm. it's kind of like you know Bull Nakano style. Luna's fucking awesome. So the terrorist is walking around the outside, and Brandy May goes to chase after, her, but the terrorist grabs Brandy May and starts ripping more clothes off. Yeah. Uh, behind them, we see security taking someone out of the building while the two girls are. Oh yeah, clothes. it's like a guy. It's like some white guy in a polo t-shirt, and there's like all these security guys in yellow, yeah. and they're like dragging them off. And then we hear the crowd yelling, "Take it off! Take it! Take off. it off!" Or is it take it off or rip it off? I think it was take it off. I think I'm just deaf. Terrorist get, at this point we is get like some USA chants. Whenever uh, terrorist at this point, like her leggings 
are completely mm-hmm. ripped off. Yeah. So we see her Legs. her zebra panties oh, a little yeah. bit, but her skirt like doesn't she have like mostly. a like a black onesie on though? She does have a black onesie, but oh. you can see her panties a little oh, bit. I didn't catch that. Um, Terrace is choking Brandy, Brandy May with her stockings. Oh, Terrace, that's great. Terrace flips Brandy May over the top rope, but Brandy is still entangled in the ropes, just dangling. But the Terrace with a stomp knocks her off the apron, and Terrace is our winner and $10,000 richer. So as the Terrace is walking around the ring, her boobs were bouncing all over the place. So I was like, is she wearing a bra? Is this the is this the hard hitting journalistic work we're doing? So here? I went to an expert. <laughs> okay, my I'm, wife. I'm very confused. And okay. went, hey, is she wearing a bra? Because those things were bouncing all over the place. Oh, the terrorist. Yes, I noticed it. Because I was like, what if her top had been torn off and she wasn't wearing a bra? I mean, I know yeah. it's wrestling. Yeah, it's on TV. Well, but. Uh... When that kind of thing happens, it seems like mm-hmm. something could accidentally happen. This isn't a Jacqueline situation. Exactly. She said she was, so just okay. for everyone. But yeah, I'll be some terrorist, not with an S after gotcha. that. <laughs> the terrorist ends up grabbing the mic, says some stuff. You, it's hard to hear her, uh, but I She says her, some stuff in like... She's actually speaking a language or not. Or just gibberish. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's exactly. But it's kind of... It's also great. But her like... Intensity of her character is very nice. After she grabbed the mic in the ring, Lee Marshall then interviews her on the outside. Kind of does the same type yeah, thing. Yeah, I would have loved for her to like like shit on the USA or whatever, but she just kind of like speaks some sort of uh, Russian-ish type of thing. So then we go to the back with Larry Nelson, who's back there with Peggy Lee Leather. Oh, Leather. And she's always she's complaining about how two or three women are always coming after her. Yeah, she's too big. They can't stop. Though... I didn't mention this, but when she was falling out of the ring, uh-huh. it literally looked like her boob may have popped out of her. I believe you. I wasn't, like, I didn't rewind to find <laughs> out. Yeah. I was just like, it kind of looked at me and I was like, yeah, all right, yeah. cool. And then all of a sudden, match. Luna Vachon runs in, says some stuff. Who cares, because she's got the intensity. And then I wrote another lady comes in. No, it's Medusa. You're saying it's Medusa. I, I, it's Medusa. And Medusa comes in and puts a snake around her. Wraps a snake around Luna, which is crazy. And I love it. I love Luna so much. And then Nelson says, well, she... terrorist 110K, I guess she should go Christmas shopping with it. <laughs> and I was like, wow. That's so good. I doubt that's what the terrorist yeah. is doing with 10K. Nah, she's going to, uh, instead of using uh, two women to go after uh, Leather next time, she's going to use two bombs and just blow her ass up. But no, uh, Leather wants Brandy. That's basically where it ends. Basically. So then we go back to ringside. Lee Marshall's there. He's interviewing Bill Apter of Pro Mm -hmm. Wrestling Illustrated. Yep. And Apter's there to present Jerry Lawler, the Inspirational Pro Wrestler of the Year Award. It's like 16 years without a title or something, he says. It's something weird. It's very bizarre. It's voted on by the fans. I have no clue. Yeah. And they like literally are like, Jerry, you coming out? No? Maybe? No. Yes? Yeah, and then they Maybe? obviously, no? like, they were going to try to do an interview. And you going to buy a boat? Yeah. What? <laughs> so, after goes to the back, he's pu- I guess to... He's puppy hunting, man. To giving... Maybe if I miss Kitty back there or something. <laughs> oh, I forgot about Miss Kitty. So then we go back to the back. Larry Nelson's there with Sergeant Slaughter, who's G.I. Joe, America's hero. No rules, baby. And he gives the rules of the boot camp match. There are no rules. There's no referee. But there is. And you yeah. can bring anything you want 
into the ring. If you can't stand, he says, if you can't stand the sight of pain, go to the refrigerator. And I was like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> do what you gotta do. <laughs> Somebody says, I do what you gotta do. It's like, so what do you want me to do? You want me to go make a sandwich during your match? You tell me it's gonna be that short, short enough for me to make a sandwich? If you can't stand the violence, don't watch this next match, is what he's saying. I know what he's saying, but it's stupid. It's great. I love that I love line. it because I love it because it's stupid, but it's fucking stupid, man. It's like one of those, like, oh, if you can't stand the heat, you get out of the kitchen. Like, it's what he's saying. He's just doing it in a very roundabout way. It's kind of the opposite. It's, it's, can't it's, stand it's, the heat, yeah. go to the refrigerator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, freeze some grapes. It's a nice summer treat. <laughs> <laughs> so we're off to our eighth match. Sergeant Slaughter versus Colonel De Beers. You mean Colonel De Beers. <laughs> We are in Chicago, am I right? That's true. Da Beers. What a terrible name. Colonel De Beers. And Diamond Dallas Page is out there with the Colonel, and this is a boot camp match. Sergeant Slaughter. He is a professional wrestling and WWE Hall of Famer. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but they misspelled Sergeant on the screen. Did they? Yeah, they wrote S-A-R-G. <laughs> and I was just like, that's not how you spell Sergeant. Yeah, you know, I, I, I definitely did not catch that. I In my notes, I just do S-G-T. I mean, that's what I do <laughs> as well, but... Yeah, I did not catch it. So the referee is only there to count a pin or check for a submission. And the match can go anywhere in the building. Because that's what it happens, right? Yeah... So DDP grabs the mic, announces Colonel De Beers, and announces his weight in kilos. Such a heel move. It's fun. So Slaughter and De Beers attack each other as soon as they're in the ring. Slaughter's hitting De Beers with his riding strap. De Beers takes his belt off and starts choking Slaughter. Did we get some canned booing at this point? Yes, it was very obvious. I was like, yo, this is added in. Yeah, Maybe like, it's like I heard, I'm pretty sure I heard the N word earlier. Why is there can booing? What terrible thing could have they been saying? Right. <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty sure that I heard like some terrible shit from the crowd earlier in this evening, and you are like, there was can booze. It's like, what are you? Because it was very obvious. Yeah, it was very very obvious. Yeah. And then this massive crowd starts chanting USA. Yes, that's real. That's why I, I made sure to write that that was real. Yeah. Slaughter then tosses De Beers over the top rope and slams the colonel into the ring post. DDP crawls into the ring and grabs Slaughter's helmet while the men are on the outside. De Beers grabs a metal rope holder and hits Sarge over the back. DDP then hands the helmet to De Beers and the colonel headbutts Slaughter. This shit's fun. This stupid helmet shit is fun. DDP is up on the apron while De Beers tosses Slaughter to the ropes, charges in, and rams the Sarge in the gut with his helmeted head. Ah, you know, the gut, the gut butt. DDP then picks Slaughter up, and DeBeer goes for another helmeted ram, but Sarge moves, and the colonel hits DDP off the apron. Oh, fuck you, DDP. Clothesline to knock the helmet off. Sarge then picks it up, puts it on, and multiple helmeted headbutts to DeBeers. I love that like they keep doing the headbutts, but then the helmet falls off, so they like, put it back on their head real quick. Sarge then hits the slaughter cannon, which is basically a clothesline. Off of an iron whip. Kicks DDP again and locks on the Cobra Clutch. DD, you can see DDP crawling back into the ring and starts calling for someone to come down to the ring. Who may it be? The bell rings right as Sheik Adnan Alkazi jumps in. I have two fun facts about Alkazi. He went to high school with Saddam Hussein. Oh, that fucking rules. And he wrestled at Oklahoma State. Holy shit. 
What a biopic. What is that movie? I would watch that movie over like any rock star biopic. So the Sheik is attacking the Sarge, but Slaughter is able to give Slaughter cannons to both the Sheik and DDP before the Beers recovers to hit Sarge with the helmet. The Iron, Iron Sheik, Sheik. Oh, Sheiky baby. has now jumped in the ring and oh, is helping attack Slaughter. That mustache. And oh, even wow. the announcers are like, where what? did Iron I'm... Sheik come from? Yeah. They didn't even know he was in the back. That's so good. A ref comes in to try and break it up, and Iron Sheik just tosses him right out. Fuck yeah, he does. Iron, Iron Sheik. Sheik then has a FO, which is a huge... Dude, we talked about this. Continue. And is stabbing Slaughter to bust him open. But I, but like, it's not Slaughter cutting himself. I found this like kind of disturbing. Because it's like, Slaughter is on his knees, and Sheik has got him like holding above, standing behind him and holding his head back. And he's got his like you know, foreign object, but he is like, you know, slamming it, stabbing, stabbing him. him in the forehead. And it's fucking disgusting looking. He doesn't bleed like some other people bleed in this show by any means, but it is harder to watch because of how violent it is. The girls end up coming down and help clear the ring. Chavo goes to check on Slaughter, but the Sarge swings at him because he doesn't know who it is. How could he? He just got stabbed in the fucking head. Slaughter then jumps out of the ring, chases after the Iron Sheik, but the Guerreros stop him at ringside. And we finally get our official announcement that comes that Sergeant Slaughter is the winner. I think De Beers was out from the Cobra Clutch before Alcazi jumped in the ring. It's hard to tell because this is okay, It's not like he could win by DQ. Yeah, it's, all, it's a hardcore match. So it's, like, it's, just, it's just a bunch of... Pretty much. But it's like, why would you bleed at the end of the match in such a grotesque fashion? NWA dollars. Right? <laughs> so sure. after the match, Lee Marshall interviews Sergeant Slaughter. Slaughter goes, I'll declare war on you anytime. And you'll be six feet under the ground if it's with USA. He then recites uh, the pledges. I hate it. So good. You, I mean, it's great, but the, the thing that I hate the most is that like the crowd does it with him. And it kind of makes even Lee Marshall is doing it with me. It kind of makes his hand over his heart. When was the last time you recited the Pledge of Allegiance? Like third grade, elementary school at least. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, couldn't believe it. Before they head to the back, we see two kids with a printed out slaughter paper. Oh no, no, no! It looks like a DOS printer. No, it's like the the printer where it would be like like a is it like a dot matrix printer or whatever where it's got like. The separated sides, and yes. they have the circles in them. Yes. But it's like it says, exactly it's it amazing. So Larry Nelson's in the back with Jerry Lawler and Bill After, And After's finally been able to hand off that plaque for... The inspirational wrestler of the yeah. year? Is that what it is? Yeah, that's what it is. It's very weird. And Lawler says, not going to say I deserve it. But I deserve it. <laughs> and it's like, oh, well, that's why Jerry Lawler rules. And that's not the only reason he rules, he inspi- but it is a good reason why he, he inspires me with that line. Yeah. It's like, I'm not going to, like, everybody has that moment where they're like, oh. and they. But the thing is, like, the stinger was that he said the thing, or like, oh, like, I really appreciate it. And then you would be, like, in your head say, but you should appreciate me more. <laughs> but when you, you know, accept the thing when you finally get your, like, just desserts. But he, he's, I'm not going to say it, so. And then he says, <laughs> but I deserve it. It's fucking beautiful. So then we head off to our ninth match. We got Steve Cox and Michael P.S. Hayes versus the Samoan SWAT team of Samu and Fatu. Is, does Fatu happen to be 
spot too probably is but let me finish no no sorry sorry I forgot with, they had a manager with Buddy Roberts who's a former Freebird. former Freebird along with PSA so that's an interesting storyline mm-hmm. for the WCCW World Tag Team Championships so going into this match knowing that Buddy Roberts and Michael PSAs were former Freebirds did you think there was going to be some kind of heel turn by PSAs or something mm, not particularly because like I don't know. Buddy Roberts looks like a pure shitbag, like a half-ass motherfucker in this match. Like, he really doesn't look like he's ready to hit the ring or do anything interesting. He seems the most, like, unnecessary heel manager. But I did love the Samoan... Is it Samoan SWAT team? Samoan SWAT team. <laughs> what SST. A crazy, what a crazy... Which makes me think of SST Records, which is, uh, like, an old 80s, like, uh, punk label. They were they're wearing like early like I don't know how old Jägermeister is because I never really fuck with it but they're wearing like they're wearing these like bright orange Jager. like early Jägermeister like promotional t shirts and it's like did Jägermeister give you like an extra four hundred dollars so you could pay your rent no right so Fatu better known as Rikishi uh, oh, yes is a WWE Hall of Famer I couldn't believe because I put on the show and I was like that's like a twenty eight year old Rikishi he looks pretty good and. As we all know, he's the father of Jimmy and Jay Uso. Ish. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, little fun news about Steve Cox. He actually played football at the University of Tulsa and still lives in the area. Oh, really? You're like, why are they mentioning Oklahoma State and Tulsa? It's because we're from Oklahoma, so it's yeah, I mean, yeah, fun it's little trivia for thing, us. Yeah. It, that one's more for us. Samoan SWAT team, once they went to the WWF, would be known as the Head Shrinkers. So we'll see them later on as well. So Cox... Uh, uh, did you, like, okay, just a Rikishi thing, because I started to uh, start watching sumo wrestling. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, you know, Yokozuna, the, yeah. the WWF star, Yokozuna. A Yokozuna is basically a like the highest thing you can be in uh, sumo. sumo wrestling. And once you're a Yokozuna, you're forever a Yokozuna. And there's only been 70 in all of recorded time. And mm-hmm. it's like one of the longest running sports of all time. But Rikishi, his name is Rikishi, but he's also doing like wearing like the Mawashi, which is like the same mm-hmm. thing or whatever. They're like the, you know, the, the diaper underwear yeah. thing if you're going to be crude about it. But the names of of somebody that practices uh, sumo is a Rikishi. And they just didn't know how to say it. So they say Rikishi. And they probably just, like, Googled it. I mean, they didn't Google it because it was a long time ago. But they probably looked it up and were like, oh, Rikishi. But it's a Rikishi is the name of anybody that that uh, does sumo. It's very interesting. So uh, I just got into sumo this year. If you want to get into sumo, it's kind of cool. It only happens every other month forever. There you go. So the match starts, and Cox has an arm lock on Samu when Fatu comes in to break it up. But Steve is able to kick away Fatu. Hayes then runs in and yanks the rope that Fatu is stepping over to get out of the ring to crotch him. After a reversed Irish whip, Samu goes for a high press, but Cox ducks and then delivers a hip toss. By the way, I hate this name, man. Yeah. Because I hate saying Cox all the time. Yeah. It just seems it's one of the things really like, appropriate. Uh, it's, like, it's like the name. Like, Randy Orton's a good name. Exactly. It's like, ah, uh, just have a good name. Be Steve... Steve Roberts. Something. <laughs> It's better than Steve. It's better, yeah, Steve Cox is not good. Samu is able to make his way to his corner so that Fatu can grab Cox. Samu swings, but Steve ducks, and Fatu goes to the floor. And then they repeat this spot a minute later. As <laughs> Cox is running the ropes. 
<laughs> Fuck you for that. I was not ready for that, that comedy. The ropes, Fatu pulls the top <laughs> rope down, and Steve goes over the ropes to the floor. Fatu then slid into the announce table, and SST takes control with double teams, rubber band slams, and punches to the throat. We then see Cox running the ropes, and he and Fatu hit each other with a clothesline for a double KO spot. Mm-hmm. And Cox is crawling to the corner and makes the hot tag. Hayes in with right hands, back body drops, clotheslines on both members of the Samoan SWAT team. Hayes gives 10 punches to Fatu in the corner. Cox with a Pescado to Samu. Hayes hits a DDT middle of the ring, but the ref is tending to Cox and Samu. Roberts runs in and hits Hayes with an F.O. Rolls Fatu over on top of Hayes for the pin and the win. win. It's a, it's pretty well telegraphed. Also, Steve Cox uh, running crossbody over the top is kind of amazing. It was pretty good. That's like, oh, come on, dude. That's great. So post-match, we have Steve Cox trying to explain to the ref what happened. And Hayes sells the hit like a champ as he's literally laying in the ring. Yeah. Forever. He does. But they do the whole thing. It's like, he came in with the chain wallet or whatever. But then they show it and it's like, it's not. It was like something on his Yeah, it was like, he was basically doing like, because they never have anything there most of the time. And it's like a loaded glove or whatever. Because they show like before the match starts... Like or part of, but yeah, through the match they the do match. like that. They do that like uh, that wallet spot with like uh, yeah, with Rikishi with Fatu, and it's like okay. So then they just assumed. So they kept like talking about it when it happened, and then it's like oh, he just kind of slid in. They're like, must have been like brass knuckles or a foreign object. I don't know. It's really silly. I mean, that's the only part of this match that I didn't like because they set up the uh, wallet thing. Yeah, and then and then, then, then on camera off. it didn't happen. It'd be different if he just had like the wallet wrapped around his fist with the chain and did the punch. It would not have hurt anymore than it would have any other way. It would have been fine. Does PS, what does PS in his stand for? Pretty sexy or... I think it's pretty pure. sexual. Or I was going to say pretty or purely or, or pure, purely really sexual. sexual. That's pure, what it was. Purely sexy or purely sexual. That's what they said. Which is really match. funny because he's Michael P.S. Hayes. Pretty sexy dude at this point in time. Michael P.S. Hayes he's, today. He's doing some, he's doing some hip Oh, hips, yeah. Uh, all, yeah. All yeah. He's Even like, while he's yeah. on his apron. And... Yeah. He's basically like Rick Rude with a motorcycle. At this point. He looks good. We then head to the back. Larry Nelson's there with Iron Sheik and Sheik Adnan Alkazi. <laughs> and Iron Sheik goes, every intelligent American knows about the Iron Sheik. And He's right. Starts talking about Allah when the interview just cuts off. Yeah, I mean they they don't, but he, I do love that he brings Allah into it and like points to the sky, and it, it's fucking cool. I'm a fan of that. So we're back out at the ring for our tenth match. We got Manny Raging Bull Fernandez versus Wahoo McDaniel in one of Michael's favorite type matches, the Indian Strap Match. Also, Wahoo McDaniel, great Indian chief. Also, you said Raging Bull, right? Did you mm-hmm. give him Raging Bull title? Okay. This had to be there for McDaniel, who has some of the funnest chops of the 1970s. <laughs> but there's a very interesting element here, where before the match starts, the IWGP heavyweight champion... Tatsumi, the Dragon, Dragon Fujinami. Fujinami shows up. Yeah, I wasn't sure where we were here. We didn't talk about this. But this is important, right? This is important. Fujinami is a professional wrestling, wrestling observer, and WWE Hall of Famer. And the first IWGP heavyweight champion we've seen so far. That's correct. And I, I guess, think he's... I mean... I think this is the sixth reign, if I remember correctly, from 
my research. Did Hogan ever hold that belt for a small amount of time? No. Hogan did not. No, he did not. That's true. Okay. Fujinami, like, Inoki was the first, and then Fujinami was actually, I think, the second. Oh, really? But then this is, like, the sixth reign by this point. Do you know what IWGP stands for? It's weird. I got it, though. I know it. It's International Something Grand Prix. Oh, wrestling. Come on, Matt. <laughs> Duh. Duh. I was like, you got all of them. <laughs> what the fuck are you, what do you mean? Like, how do I got to get the W? Right? <laughs> we'll fix that in post. You didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that. International Wrestling Grand Prix. Yeah, which is very funny. Because it's IWGP sounds so good. And so, like, it means a lot to me in my head. But it's like, when you say it out, International Wrestling Grand Prix, it's like, what? <laughs> That's a silly name for anything. So there was a little bit of a story behind this match. Uh, Fernandez had attacked Wahoo and destroyed his headdress. Where was he wearing? He was just wearing his headdress at the biker bar he was at. One of the TV tapings, I guess. Who knows? <laughs> at a Piper's Pit. At a DD, DDP's... Yoga studio. <laughs> oh, God. Thank you. <laughs> Fuck you, DDP. Fuck you. Fernandez starts berating and pushing Fujinami. Oh, Yeah. And Fujinami grabs Fernandez, and Wahoo attacks with the strap. The ref finally gets the two men connected to the strap, and the match starts, and we get a back-and-forth match. Both There's like a weird audio cutout early in this match, too. Uh, they're using the strap as a weapon. Duh. Fernandez busts Wahoo open with some strap-wrapped punches, and Manny wraps the strap around the neck of Wahoo and begins to drag McDaniel around the ring. We get a chop fest from both men, and now Fernandez is busted open as well. Uh, I have right here in my notes... I hate this kind of match. I mentioned that already. I know. I I'm just. It. I'm just saying it again. And I didn't even take the time to spell out hate. It was the letter H and the number eight next to it. <laughs> the blood is just pouring down both men's faces at this point. Wahoo clothesline Fernandez with a strap and starts going to the corners, getting to three. But then Manny hits a low blow to take Man yeah. McDaniel down. You know what my favorite thing about this match is the end. I mean, that's part of it, but it just brings me back to those sweet NWA days that we took for granted not too long ago. Man, where were Fernandez and McDaniel back then? They were right there. Right there. <laughs> exactly. Doing this bullshit. The Raging Bull comes off the second rope with a knee drop, and Manny gets through three corners, but then goes to the top rope. Manny, you can't do that. I don't know why. Wahoo is no the master. Knows. He is the quote-unquote Indian in this match, and he's going to pull your ass down. And he does. Wahoo pulls him down with a strap and drops a pair of elbows. Wahoo then hogties Manny's hands and drags Fernandez around to touch three corners. One, two corners. But the bull is being three difficult corners. when he kicks McDaniel off of him into the fourth corner. It's the best thing. For the win. It's amazing. So post-match, Manny keeps attacking Wahoo can I, can with I, a strap. Can I just say? Yes. That this corner thing sucks. So getting to the third one and him kicking him away, but then his head in another corner, it's good. It is good. It's stupid, but it's good. But I never want to see a match like this ever again. That's where I had to go touch four corners. Yes. I would literally be like, bell rang. But you don't you have to drag the guy? No. No, you don't you have to. You just have to touch the, the corners. Guy, I guess so, because like, he, get, run around he gets kicked yeah, He gets and kicked, them all he gets they kicked away. Yeah. It's a dumb, dumb for it to die forever, hopefully. So Fernandez knocks the ref out of the ring, and Fujinami comes in and begins to kick and chop on the... And we see Wahoo and the dragon shake hands. Fuck yeah. Fuck the bull. Lee Marshall's then interviewing Wahoo, and Lee Marshall actually mentions that Wahoo's never lost a strap match. Of course not. He is the... The great Indian chief. He is the great Indian chief, yes. 
And then Wahoo says a few things, which I think you have written down there. Uh, he says that he asks if, it, if it's worth it. And he says, like, within a, with a gun in my hand, I want him dead. He says that some other stuff. Violent. But he says, like, I was like, but this. But also, he's an Indian. Shouldn't it be a bow and arrow? I mean, we're living in the 20th century at this point. I don't have anything. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay. That's all I got. I have I had some some really upsetting stuff in here too that I think we skipped over uh, that involved DDP saying some super incorrect Asian slurs, but they're not necessary because they're upsetting as well. So Larry Nelson's then in the back with Vern Gagne and Stanley Blackburn. Vern is a professional wrestling WCW, WWE, and Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Famer. He's one of seven men. To be in all four of those. Oh, yeah? And Blackburn was the president of the AWA at the time. I don't know if it was a kayfabe presidency yeah. or not. Not real sure on that one. He, he may have been Jack Tunney. Yeah, I couldn't find much about Mr. Blackburn. But Vern goes, we need to instruct our referees when it goes that far, they need to stop the match. He says, it's out of hand, it's too much. When there's that much blood, gotta stop it. And then the three men preview the championship match, which was next. So he also says, like, the match could have been a flip of a coin. You know. So you our, know. Yeah. Our 11th match, Jerry Lawler versus Kerry Von Erich in a title unification match for the AWA World Heavyweight Championship Winner and the WCCW World Heavyweight Championship. Jerry, the King Lawler and Kerry Von Erich. The modern day warrior. So we have a guest ring announcer who is the WGN radio personality, Al Lerner. Remember WGN? I do. I used to watch Chicago Cub baseball games on WGN all the yeah, time. Yeah, they'd have like sports, but they'd also have like the worst like sitcoms. It's actually what Shit's Creek was on at first. I don't know if I know that show. I remember watching... Um, As uh, Eugene Levy and Catherine, um, the people from like the... Do, uh, best in show and stuff uh, like that. Okay, I'm thinking like uh, the like the Wayne's brothers. Okay, and do you remember the PJs, the claymation show? Vaguely, yeah. Very good. Yeah, yeah, I like that show. But I remember the, like the the Wayne's brothers show and like anyway. I'm just getting nostalgic about uh, terrible television from a ch- being a child. We can move Let's on. Be more nostalgic about this wrestling show. And Lawler cuts a promo in the ring, and then we see a little kid giving a thumbs down. Oh yeah. Is this the little kid you were talking about earlier? Is this the one that there's like, is there a kid with like a slaughter shirt on? I think it's like a little, he's got like this little blue shirt on and it's like a slaughter shirt. Ugh, I don't know. It's good. It's good. Yeah, it is. This little kid with a blue shirt with a slaughter thing and he's like, yeah. J- Jerry Lawler says he's going to be the only one after tonight. There only will be one. I'm going to beat him or whatever. There's a little kid and he's got like this little bowl cut and he's got like this blue shirt and it's just got a picture of Sergeant Slaughter on it. And uh, he kind of like sees that the camera's in front of him. He looks at it, and it's pretty cute. It's a cute moment. The crowd then goes Until crazy. Until he gets scarred for life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> crowd goes crazy when Von Erich is making his way to the ring. And Frank Dushik, the matchmaker for WCCW, comes out with Kerry. I got some things to say before this pop match pops up. Von Erich then cuts a promo. He says he's going to kick his <clears throat> butt from one side of Chicago to the other. There's only one Mona Lisa and one Power of Pisa. Did he do that too? I don't think he says that in the ring. He doesn't? Okay. Carrie then takes his robe off and the ladies scream in excitement. No, he says that. But no, before he takes his robe off, 
He's working his arm inside of his robe. Did you not catch this? Yes. He's working his arm inside of his robe. He's like, what is he doing? What is he doing? Is in my in my head I was like, oh, he's like hiding a blade in his like in his like that, wrist. So this is what happened. He was putting the blade in his armband and he accidentally cut himself. They sell it immediately. Correct. And that's all done in ring? Yes. That's genius. Very much so. Because like he's like he's like trying to put it in there and it looks like he's cutting the inside of his arm. Uh, but I wasn't sure. I was like, what is he hiding a blade? And then the match starts, and then in the Waller immediately slams Von Erich's arm, arm into, into the, the turnbuckle, turnbuckle. Yeah, and he starts bleeding from the arm. And then he and they, sells it the whole match. The so he match. sells it to the point where it's kind of annoying. But I thought it was planned. You're saying that's not planned? It wasn't planned. So he, he's just that big of an idiot that he cut the inside of his arm. Yes. Jesus Christ, Kerry Von Erich. I am so sad that you killed yourself, but holy shit, that's upsetting. That uh, you couldn't even fucking put the blade. You couldn't even hide the blade. Oh. I love you, and that's upsetting. You beautiful horse, man. Kerry keeps hitting clotheslines to knock Lawler down. The king backs away each time. Von Erich then hits a discus punch to take down Lawler for multiple two counts. The king with punches sends Von Erich over the top rope to the floor. Kerry then hits another discus punch from the apron, and then a, a slingshot <laughs> splash from Lawler gets his knees up. Slingshot splash, come on. It's good. The King hits a pile driver, but Kerry no-sells it. Oh, it's, he, he no-sells it, and it's, a, a, it's like a Jerry Lawler pile driver. He's one of the guys that's famous for the that like beautiful fallback pile yeah. driver. He like literally just stands straight up. Lawler's, Lawler's yeah. walking away, doesn't see he's it at like, all. He's, he's like turning, turning around, he's like, like yeah. Right, posing, and once he turns around, another discus punch and a snapmare from Kerry. Von Eric tries for the Iron Claw, but Lawler blocks his head with his forearm. Kerry then goes for a knee drop, but the king moves. But all this, all the while, it seems like anytime there's a second to breathe, Kerry is just looking on the inside of his arm. It's and it's not bleeding, time. it's not bleeding a whole lot or anything. And I still can't believe what you just fucking told me. That blows my goddamn mind that that was not planned. Because then they, it just like becomes a huge point of contention. And then later in this match, like, what, how could that have ever been a problem? So Lawler then hits a snapmare and goes for a pin, but Von Eric tosses him off right on top of the ref. Kerry then hits a pile driver and goes to the pin, but the ref is still out. The ref finally makes it over for a two count, which it probably would have been about a 12 count. Well, I mean, Kerry calls up to four, I think. Yeah, he, and then, he and then, and then pounds like four, and, and then I kept and then he counting. stops, yeah, and you could have kept going. I kept yeah. counting, and yeah. I got up to like 12. Also, uh, this ref has like no front teeth. We got some janky looking refs in the show. <laughs> they got comb overs that are like everybody, you can't, you don't decide if, you're, if you lose hair or not, but holy shit. These guys should be men about it and rock the horseshoe. Von Erich then throws Lawler out of the ring and Kerry goes for another discus punch, but the king moves and Von Erich hits the ring post. Lawler back in the ring has his hand in his trunks, hits Von Erich, and then puts his hand back into his trunks. The, the, his I hand is... smell um, F-O. F-O. Yeah. His, yeah. <laughs> Funky odor. The, uh, but the amount of time he spends in his trunks and like he really telegraphs it. And I think he does it because Jerry Lawler didn't spend most of his time on television as a wrestler. So I think that he wanted everybody to see it. Oh, yeah, because it was the story of the match. Yeah, but like, I mean, it's, but like, a lot of the times you'll get a thing, it's like, oh, they had a thing, they had an FO. But like, he's, he's like overdoing it, but it's not overdoing it for a big crowd or even for 
television, really, because like, well, now everybody knows exactly what's happening. Nobody has their eyes open can question what's happening. So I kind of appreciated his like overselling. Yeah, it's like overdoing. It. It's like you know how everyone's like, oh, no matter how like slow you think you're moving in the ring, slow down is the thing that's been famous in wrestling because like it's it's moving faster than you think it is and he does that same thing with this with storytelling. And so after this first hit with the FO, Carrie is busted open. Is he busted open or is he busted open? The king goes to the second rope for a fist drop. Baller even goes for a second one, but Von Eric catches him with the iron claw to the stomach. Oh. It's okay. I will not I am going to hold back and not talk shit because the amount of blood that comes out of Carrie Von Eric's face. His face is covered. At he, this point. like, like Crimson Mask X2, 3, 4. Like, it is insane. And, like, he could have done a. Is there a, a spot dumber than a trap Like, is this. This spot's dumber than a trap spot. But if you blade. Iron Claw to the stomach? Yes. yes it's but pretty, if you. It's, it's pretty dumb. But if you blade like this. I'm not. I'm we'll not. I'm not here to talk shit. Also, I know your family history, and it bums me out. <laughs> and I know what you're hiding here, and you're doing a good job. And I saw you take that fucking pile driver like nobody else. Von Eric then releases the hold from the stomach, puts it onto the forehead, and we see blood splatter on both Lawler's oh, face. It's disgusting. And the ref shirt. It just, like, fucking splashes out onto them. Like, the world's biggest raindrops of fucking Carrie Von Eric's fucking suicide blood. The king then gets his foot on the rope to break the hole. But Carrie puts the iron claw back on and drags Lawler to the middle of the ring. It's good. Von Eric stands the king up. Irish whips him to the corner, charges in. But Lawler moves, and Carrie hits the ring post on a splash attempt. The king then goes back to the trunks for the FO and hits Von Eric again. I basically have my hands on my head because this match fucking kind of rules. Frank Dusik, who's out on the out on the outside, is telling the ref about the FO. So Lawler puts it in his hand uh-huh. while and the he ref puts it behind his head. He puts it in his hand. He like grabs into his trunks. and the ref is checking his trunks. And he's got doesn't his hand find it, behind but he has his it head. in his hand the entire time. But, but like his hands are behind his head. Like he's like, check me out, check me out. And even while he's checking him out, Carrie comes forward. King the, hits him again. King, yeah, like the ref like turns around to like tell the other guys that like, like oh he's got nothing in his trunks, and then he decks Carrie again, and Carrie is just a he is bloody bloody mess. Yeah, he is all red. He's he's Darth Maul. We get but disgusting piston punches from Lawler to the mm-hmm. cut, stick and jab from the King. Von Eric throws a discus punch that misses everything because he can't see. He can't see. see. No, of course he can't. While the ref is checking on Carrie, Lawler pulls out the FO again and hits Von Eric. Carrie's firing back with punches of his own, a discus punch that puts Lawler lane. Double right hands from the two men for a double KO spot. Von Eric puts the iron claw on again. Yeah, there's a announcer, uh, one of the best, probably the best line of the whole show. The announcer says, these two guys... Look, the, look, look at the, no, these two guys look like they got in a gang fight and didn't know anybody. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's like, so it's like, so they're just, it's so fucking amazing. I was like, that is like Gorilla Monsoon, Jesse Ventura, like quality. quality for sure. So the ref keeps checking the eye, counting a pin, checking, checking the, the eye, eye counting, counting a pin, pin, checking the eye. And like Carrie Von Eric's not backing down. 
But he looks foul. And then the ref turns and calls for the bell. Uh-huh. The crowd's going crazy. Of course they, they are. They think that, that Jerry Lawler's out. Because fuck Memphis. The official announcement comes. Stoppage of match because Kerry Von Erich cannot continue because he cannot see. They're cut on that And they eye. award the match to Jerry Lawler. Motherfucking riot. Everybody loses it. And, and no! I, he doesn't, I don't even want him to have it. The crowd's screaming bullshit. Yeah! Post-match, Von Erich takes both belts. And walks out. And walks to the back. It's like, fuck this. Lee Marshall's interviewing Lawler. And he says, I would have blinded him if the match hadn't been stopped. Oh, yeah. He asks what he happened. He's like, yeah. Oh, man. No DQ. There must be a winner. It's good. This is, this is good shit. We then go to the back. Larry Nelson's there with a bloody Von Erich and Stanley Blackburn. And Kerry says, I've never heard of a match anywhere because someone is cut up too bad. <laughs> Wait, what did you just say to me? And I literally went... Did, uh-huh. he, did he not watch Great American Bash just a month or so ago? Wait, you said, I never heard of a match anywhere? Never heard of a match anywhere because someone is cut up too bad. <laughs> okay. But it's like, that's not even a real sentence, but I love it. They show Von Eric the replay and says he had him down for 15 seconds. He did. Not 15, I mean, He literally had him pretty close. I mean, more than fucking three. And then Blackburn apologizes because he had informed the refs to stop the match. Because of the strap match. Much blood. Because of the strap match. And they sell it. And it's good. I think we mentioned this when we did Great American Bash. Uh-huh. Like, if they had done something to set up the fact that a match could be stopped. Yes, and they did here. It would have been so much better. And they did that on this show. But you know what the issue is. And it made it even better. It made it amazing. But... My, I'm gonna play my cards out right here and right now, but that was a, that's super smart and super great. But why was the tag match not in between those two matches? I agree with that. Like they should have put probably a couple matches. No, in they just just the one tag match because like those are like hot properties and you can give them some time. Are we talking about the tag match that's about to come up? Yeah, because. Rock and Roll Express are the biggest Rock and Roll Express fucking rule. But you put that in between there, and I don't know, man. I don't know. But I feel like if they did, like, a fucking solid 12 in between that strap match and this, this would have meant more, and this still meant a lot to me. It was great. But I think that it took away from the tag match. Because afterwards... Oh, yeah. Because you can tell by there's, like, people left. And by no means was their match... Bad, but it was kind of rushed. Where it's like a match like Von Erich and Lawler could have been better if it was rushed a little bit. Whereas like that tag match isn't as well. Like rushed. I said, I, I don't remember if I mentioned this or not, but like the first five minutes of this Lawler Von Erich match, mm-hmm. like it was like one move and then Von Erich was checking his yeah his arm. And so and like, like yeah. literally the first five minutes, I think was probably they were probably planning on going at a faster pace. Yeah, yeah, and. It's a, it's, it builds slow, but it kind of builds, like, it's it's really amazing, and I love it, but I don't know if it's Sting Ric Flair. No matter what, it's great and totally worth your time. It's storytelling. It's not a, you know, they're not ring generals. They're not Walter? <laughs> they're, they're definitely not Stang. Let's move off on to our 12th match. We got the Rock and Roll Express of Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson versus yes. the stud stable of Robert Fuller and Jimmy Golden with Miss Sylvia. 
Uh, we'll see Robert Fuller and Jimmy Golden later on in the WCW. Uh, Fuller is better known as Colonel Robert Parker, a manager in the WCW. And Golden becomes Bunkhouse Buck, I believe was what his name was. They're not big guys in yeah, the, yeah. by any means, but I remember Colonel Robert Parker a little bit. But the match starts... I'm completely unaware. This is the first time I've seen either of these guys. I've seen the Rock and Roll Express, of course. Of course, because we love the Rock and Roll Express. Uh, how can you not? Match starts, Morton's running the ropes, hits a hip toss on both members of the studs, and all four men in which... When Morton drop kicks Fuller out of the ring while Gibson Irish whips Golden into the turnbuckle. Morton has Golden in a headlock, but the stud does some kind of suplex. Once again, camera wasn't on the yeah. ring. Sylvia's got like a kendo stick. She says, don't cheat these boys. But like when this match first started, my first note was like dark match. And then I realized that there was blood still stained in the ring because people have obviously left. Are you sure? Because there's just not anybody there. Yeah, I mean, people have well, there's empty seats for sure, and it's upsetting because Rock and Roll Express, it's the Rock and Roll fucking Express. They're fucking amazing. This match is great, but it's worked very quickly, I think, too, because like how many like this is their only pay per view. Has the AWA ever timed a pay per view? I don't think they've ever done any kind of live thing mm, before no, at yeah. all. So after that suplex that we couldn't see, Morton bridges out from underneath and then hits a belly-to-back suplex of his own. All four in the ring again, the Express hitting clotheslines on Golden and then tossing Fuller into his fellow stud. Fuller and Gibson run the ropes, with Fuller doing like this weird stomp thing as he's running, because he's a little bit of a bigger guy, while Gibson gets hit in the back with a boot from Golden. The stable then distracts the ref, and Miss Sylvia hits Gibson with the kendo stick. Oh, that kendo stick. Golden then locks a bear hug on Gibson. And the crowd is chanting, Rock and roll! Rock and roll! Golden throws Gibson out on the floor and Sylvia starts hitting with the kendo stick again. Golden has Gibson in the ab stretch, reaching behind him for some leverage in Fuller. Then Golden tosses Gibson to the ropes, but puts his head down and the expressman hits a knee lift and makes the hot tag. I love that you said expressman. The expressman. Morton in with right hands to both studs. Gibson in while Morton tosses Fuller to the floor. We get a double drop kick from the Express, and Morton goes for the cover. But Fuller makes it back in time to break it up. Gibson tosses Fuller into the ring post on the outside, and all of a sudden the bell rings. Dun dun dun. Post match, the stud stable slamming Gibson's head into the announce table. Everyone's brawling on the outside and back towards the locker room. And the official announcement comes that it was a double DQ. Because they were outside of the ring. It was a 10 count. Right? I honestly do, <laughs> not, do not know why. This is a sprint of a match, but it's hard to care I after the, hi- after the height of what we just saw. But this is what I was talking about with the five minute, the first five minutes of that match. I think, yeah. I think they lost some time, mm-hmm. and they just had to go straight to the finish. And so the finish... Does not make any sense. I also think that uh, this should have not been the last match. Not because of the talent, I but under, because... I understand why it because, was the last match, but but it shouldn't have been. I agree with that. I understand why it should, why it was, but like, if you're going to fucking have him fucking blade like that, and you're going to tell a story like that, like, come on. Yeah. Come the fuck on. That should not have been the last match. This should not have been the last match. Obviously, the... Carry Von Eric match. The championship awesome. match should have been the last match. Yeah, totally. also it's the championship match. 
exactly. tag team matches never the last match. Unless the Young Bucks are in it. Whatever. Fuck that. I don't care. <laughs> so Lee Marshall then interviews the Rock and Roll Express. They kind of do their normal promo. Yeah. yeah. Larry Nelson's in the back with the stud stable, and they do a heel promo of some sort. We're back in the uh, ringside. Lee Marshall's there with Vern Gagne, and Marshall says, this is one of the greatest nights ever. It is. I agree. This match, this show rules. And then Nelson shows up, never says anything, just kind of gets in the camera, blocking everyone. And they all review the show, say their goodbyes, and the show is over. Yeah. I mean, there's like a little bit more flowery stuff that happens in there, but when it comes down to it, Super Clash 3, if I had an extra thumb, it would get it. So I got a little history fun facts here. Um, Because of the crowd, you know, Mm -hmm. less than 2,000 people. Oh, yeah. Buy rate 0.5. I would say, monetarily, the show was not successful. No, of course not. So, only a handful of people would get paid. And one of those people was not Jerry Lawler. So, he took the title and went home to Memphis, Mm. kept the belt, but he was then stripped of the title, but he still has the belt, even to this day. Oh, really? And the AWA would close its doors within two years. Yeah, Two years, and like, I mean, this was the, I believe all of that, wrestling is dirty and disgusting, and this show is great. So, Michael Temple, you were about to give me your overall thoughts. Give them to me now. Considering what we have been doing and watching, uh, for the most part, pay-per-view shows of professional wrestling in the United States from their inception, from where they started, this was a goddamn blast. All the NWA stuff that we talk shit on, and, like... Would this be the best NWA show? Oh, it's not an NWA Man, some of these last couple NWA shows are so good. I mean, I don't think it'd be Clash, but I think it would be up there in the NWA shows. I mean, if if you're going to con- consider this... An because N- I feel like it, it is an NWA-style oh, show. it totally is. But it doesn't have all the stupid finishes. It also doesn't have fucking, like, Skywalker's matches. But, like, the... Tower of Doom. Yeah, there's no cage. I don't need a fucking cage. But well, I'd rather have a cage than an India strap match. Even though I love yes. Oahu, rest in peace, like, whatever. I just... That's not a thing that I care about at this point. But if... This would be top five, probably top three NWA shows if we call it an NWA show. I, I agree. But it was very fun because we get to see a lot of guys we haven't seen before. We get to see a lot of guys we have seen before I didn't think we were going to see. That are kind of a at lot the of end gu- of their... Yeah, a lot of guys that are very young that are going to go on to do a lot of great and very different things. And like, there's just so much here. It's so rich in like wrestling history in so many different directions that I feel like as far as shows we've watched the cross section of like wrestling history is like this one spiders out into so many different places I agree completely I when I was watching the show and I realized that like like I said earlier like we were through six matches and we were just an hour into the show I was like I think that all these matches being super short actually made made it better. Yeah. Because there wasn't any of this just like lull in any also, of the matches. Also, it's one of those things like this is their, this is their like them trying to do, it's like their last ditch effort. 
So it's like, well, let's get everybody on the show and let's put up a bunch of fucking let's put on a bunch of matches and let's try to make them compelling. I mean, and I think ninety percent of the matches were super entertaining. I think even like, I think the whole show is. I think I don't think there's anything that I hate about this show at all. There's a couple matches that I don't like, but we'll talk about those later. Okay, I think that I'm fine with all of it. I mean, and I I think the biggest thing is that I love that the angle. In the biggest match of the night, mm-hmm. is completely set up oh, earlier yeah. in the night. My biggest complaint is that it's they set up directly before. They shouldn't have done it directly. If, if the tag match was in between there, this show would be like number one or two of AWA shows. <laughs> or NWA shows, I'm sorry. But it's hard because there's so many good What about matches? overall? Like, I mean, we're saying it's number one or number two NWA shows. Top three NWA shows. Yeah. Does that put it in possibly our top five I shows had so much fun on this show but it's so hard because like this like as we go I on mean, we know wrestlemania 3 is gonna be yeah there. yeah but as we go on like um there's stories that are like told and stuff where it's like there's good matches and sometimes there's bad matches that are fun but like nothing makes me cry like fucking you know savage getting the belt and opening the fucking ropes for elizabeth and like putting her on her shoulder beforehand putting her on his shoulder beforehand and i'm just like bawling like an idiot and it's like oh like wrestling is fucking stupid and it's fake and like this is not even the best wrestling but you can tell a story and nwa doesn't ever really do that kind of story so it's kind of just a it's a different product yeah, it's so it's hard. Both, it's hard to compare because like those high moments like that are like some of my favorite I mean, moments. I think but this w- show is better than most of those shows, and we're gonna see this throughout. Yeah, the course of this show, it's the ebb and flow. WWF probably does a better job of telling the story at times. Yeah, I mean when the, yeah. but the ring work isn't always amazing. No, while like, the ring uh, work in other promotions that we'll yeah. cover will be awesome and they don't have to have as much of a story to get by i just have such a weird like uh like fight inside of myself where it's like oh man i just love it when guys go out there and it's like two guys and it's their skill sets and them like and i know how they wrestle and it's amazing and blah 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 but then sometimes a fucking like but he's not kazuchika okada but like him that Elizabeth all that it's like that was very emotional even though I kind of knew what was going to happen and like working there it's like it's like ah like if if wrestling is fruits and one is oranges at times and I don't know which one I prefer I just know that I like it when I like it so it's hard good Where, where's the smart marks at alright fuck you I think it's time we smark it up so best moments of the night there's so many good ones. The Chavo's moonsault. Char, Chavo's moonsault. It's amazing. The uh, the girl pylon, uh, where they do the dog pile, is fucking amazing. There, like seriously, there's great moments in all of this. There's like the headbutt moment from the like De Beers slaughter match where they keep like the helmet keeps falling off. They keep putting if, it back on. If I told you I thought that was probably my favorite match up until the championship match, would you? Would you hate me? No, of course not. I because I, I literally think that might have been my favorite match until the championship. It was match. definitely like 
it was a weird mix between like NWA and a WWF match in a weird way. Uh, it was very fun. The like, there's just like, there's nothing particularly bad. I love the Parsons Brickhouse match. I think it's really fun. And these are two guys that like nobody talks about. We don't know anything really about them. Literally know nothing. But about like, them. their presence in the ring is absolutely amazing. Well, like literally, I was like, like what they do. With, I think I was watching it and I was like. How did this Brickhouse guy not go somewhere else? Yeah, he's like pre Booker T. Booker T. Looks good. Yeah, and like it's one of that match is so good. And even like the King Parsons, like he's not nearly as fit, but he has he does some like you know like leapfrogs and stuff that he look was, good. I, he way more been, athletic he than been he was a good expected. manager almost. But he was because way he more had some athletic. Charisma. But he was way yeah he had charisma. But he's way more athletic. They I both had Brickhouse, charisma. I thought Brickhouse was. He was more. more he was definitely more athletic, but King Parsons was surprisingly athletic. You know what I mean? It's like when, yeah, it's like he he could jump higher than Kevin Owens, and he he didn't look much better or worse. I think that match was really fun, and they nailed what they could do in like four minutes. I think that was really good. But honestly, I have really nothing completely negative to say about this show outside of like you know. You know, some misogyny and racism that's going to come hand in hand with uh, wrestling in the late 80s. I mean, if we're going to move over to most disappointing, the Ron Garvin, Greg Donye match. Oh, yeah. Like, easily, easily, it, easily the worst one. I mean, unless you want to count the Valiant Blue. I know you like no, Valiant. No, but that's fun, though, because it's quick. But I think it's disappointing in the, in the thought that you have a old star being yeah. a rookie. Like, you've completely killed... Any mo- the like, thing is, that that um, would have been a good if Bloom had won that match, it would have been like, oh, yeah, Bloom, Bloom may be this up and comer. But I mean, but Va- now you basically Valiant's just an old school guy, and they were obviously in Valiant Town because he got one of the biggest pops of the night, and he just ran out. But wouldn't that have just built Bloom up some more? Probably like, not back then. I don't think Valiant is fifty five years old. He's on his last legs. Yeah, I know where you're coming. I know I'm not. I, I know where you're coming. I know from. I'm probably going to be conceived as a valiant hater which i don't love no, valiant, but i'm just you can thinking, be a valiant hater no one cares but i don't care if you hate that him. i just like him this is the same reason why wwe nowadays does not have new stars because their old guard didn't put over their new guard before they left yeah think of where wwe would be right now if when cena was facing off versus which I don't know if you ever watched this stuff, but uh, it was versus like Wade Barrett and the Nexus. Nexus had Ryback and Wade Barrett and Dolph Ziggler, I think, was in that group. I do but, love me some Dolph. But like literally, he faced, Cena faced off against them and just beat the Nexus down. Yeah. Because he was fucking John Cena. Yeah. It's like, if he puts over some of these newer guys... Maybe you have a few more stars. Yeah. No, I know what you're talking. I know. I know exactly what you're saying. My I'm not only, saying Wayne Bloom was going to be the guy. My only argument but, is that uh, like Jimmy Valiant uh, still got a huge pop, and they were just trying to get anybody. That's all, that's all you need from him, though, is for him to come out and get the big pop. And then but I think the big pop where he wins in 15 seconds, people are excited and pumped for the next match. But what does it mean? What does it mean? But, no, I mean, so the next time that the they have is, a TV like, show, they're gonna he'll come I mean, out and like, do like, I another mean, three minute match. In hindsight, it doesn't matter. In, I mean, you can say that about all of what Goldberg did, and it means a lot to a lot of people. But him, Goldberg was a young guy, yeah, that was and up. continued yeah, to yeah. win to build him up. But what if Jimmy Valiant, at fifty five years old, and AWA got a television show, 
and he just went out there and boogie woogie manned himself into 24 second matches. But, you know. I hate that. Uh, I'm moving on. Yeah. Uh, I sorry. hate that the, um, <laughs> the Wendy Richter, Top Guns, that, that tag, that mixed tag match, yeah. the rules weren't explained better. Because I thought that the Top Guns won the tag, tag belts in that match was a cool idea. Yeah. But then they returned them a few no, days later. No, they which fucked it up. So that just like kind of took away no, all that. it did. But I mean, like, I didn't know the return thing until you I mean, obviously, me. yeah, we no. wouldn't have known that. But Medusa looked good, just... and Medusa was fun, and Medusa's great. Yeah, you, if you're watching any, like, old Medusa matches, you know, Medusa's also the famous for taking the U.S. belt, the, the women's belt and dropping the pink belt on WCW television. Yeah. Another disappointing thing, like I said, I think the Rock and Roll Express got some time cut. Oh, yeah. That doesn't and count. It just should have been the, the finish. Third, of, the finish um, of that match, that was probably the worst finish of any match. Yeah, yeah, like, totally. Like it totally the, was. Like the but it was Ga- cut for time. It was obvious. Like the Garvin Gagne finish, uh-huh. it made sense. But, like, I cannot tell you why the Express and the Stud Stable had a double DQ. I, I think that, I think that the, maybe the only reason they saved that match for the last match was because... The Rock and Roll Express is is good, enough, intelligent enough, and aware enough to, if you get, tell them you have six minutes, no more than six minutes, you have to go out there and have a match, and it needs to be done with thirty seconds of whatever that they yeah. could do it. But they I don't totally think they carry carry and uh, like I think that Jerry Lawler probably could have done that, but probably not with somebody like I mean, Kerry Von Erich. They could have they in the Lawler Von Erich, and I'm not. I love the Lawler Von Eric match. I do too. If they had the first five minutes, if that happens, no, it was too which long. which it, which it did, like literally just up. just cut out cut out one of the fo shots because that took another couple minutes away. Yeah, like don't have don't have the ref just keep yeah. checking the the cut like seven like literally the last five minutes of the match is just the ref cut, checking the cut. Yeah, like just go to the finish quicker. It's like we don't need the fucking the the iron claw in the gut. Exactly. It's like, so you're gonna pull his liver. Like out. I said, I love the match. Love it. But there were things that could have been done yeah. better. But yeah, I mean maybe And that because that affected then maybe the it's, next match. Yeah, as maybe well. it's four or five in NWA shows. Cause we had was it was it Clash of the Champions? The, Clash was the, of the Champions is probably our favorite end of the show. It's the Sting show, right? Yeah, the Sting Flare oh, match. Christ on a crutch, it's so good. Watch it right now. Watch just Sting and Lawler for forty five or and uh, and Flair for forty five minutes. I mean, I think the thing is the reason I'm probably being so critical is because I do like the show. Yeah, exactly. I, I, you I, when, when I don't like a show, it's like I'm, Well the thing is like you It's usually yeah. because I'm just like you're oh, harder on the whatever. things you're harder on the things that you know can be better. And it's like, well, WWF it's like it can be better, but like I can see all the money you guys got. Exactly. Like even at this point in time, you're like, oh, like your show looks great, and then here it's like, oh, this show looks like shit. But you guys are doing some fun stuff. If you could just like take a step back, like take a couple more days and write it, and like you know, fucking talk to the guys and like time it or whatever. I don't know because I know nothing about wrestling. What the hell is a clothesline? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, seriously. Well, let's move on to best performer of the night. Oh, uh, could we pick one? I mean, it's Von Eric, right? 
for going through that match with a bloody face. <laughs> yeah, and no leg. We, yeah. we didn't. We, we, did mean, we talk about that? I think. I think we both are. Guerreros were awesome. Guerreros are amazing. But we all know. That. I honestly like. I still um, love King Parsons and uh, and was it um, what's his fucking name? Brickhouse Brown. Is it Brickhouse Brown? Yeah. Okay. Because the other guy, because he calls him Outhouse Brown. And I'm um, getting confused. And then, but, like I said earlier, I, I loved ugh. Sergeant Slaughter that and match Colonel is, the Beard's That match, match was worked super well. Yeah. And then Iron Sheik showing up. Yeah. Which, that's probably the most surprising thing. Because yeah, well, I wasn't that, expecting also that, that at iron, all. that Iron Sheik, like, that was the most, like, considering the blade job on, on Von Eric, him stabbing him in the forehead was very disgusting to me. And also considering where Slaughter's history goes once he gets to WWF. Yeah. And... He ends up teaming up with the Sheik yeah. when he gets to WWF. So it's kind of like this like prehistory type. Th- it's yeah, kind yeah. of interesting it's, it's to fun. see it all. This show rules, and you could watch it uh, once now, and then like maybe give it like a year, year and a half, watch it again. Yeah, I'm I'm totally with you. I recommend this show. To oh, watch it. Yeah, wholeheartedly, I recommend this um, show. I mean, you could probably, want... you could probably skip the Darwin match. Uh, no, don't. I would say don't skip any of it, and then get a Super Clash Three, Super Clash Three logo tattoo on your back, on all of your back. We'll have pictures of Temple's tattoo sometime this week. Yeah, I mean, like uh, that sounds expensive. I'm down, but that's pricey. And now for a look back even farther into the history of wrestling. The dusty finish. Jack Curley. Jack Pfeiffer and Toots Mont would draw tens of thousands of fans to catch a glimpse of Jim Londos, even with the onset of the Great Depression. But a contractual dispute saw Londos leave for a rival group. Things were finally smoothed over and new alliances were soon established. But Pfeiffer was left on the outside looking in. So he went to the papers. Giving an explosive interview to the New York Daily Mirror, Jack Pfeiffer exposed wrestling admitting what few would acknowledge. Wrestling wasn't a legitimate sport. Several papers picked up on the story and began to point out that the trickery that was being used. This revelation caused the fan base to contract just as it had decades prior. Next week, Starcade 1988. We're still in 88? I thought this was like December 88. This December... Yeah, uh, Starcade was like a week after. Wow, so it's like right Super like Clash. Christmas time. It is. That's it weird is. for Starcade. It'll be our last show of 1988. That's a, I thought this was our last show of Star 88. Nope, that's bizarre. Got the Starcade show still. Weird. That's not um, a normal time for Starcade. Well, it used to be on Thanksgiving, but then once yeah Survivor Series once Survivor Series yeah. started, they moved Starcade to December, so it wouldn't have to compete with it anymore. It's a bad time for Starcade. I mean, I think it's literally the week bef- the weekend before Christmas. Jesus. So the music from this week's show, I, I played the AWA TV intro at the beginning because... Mad action. That's right. I'm here for you. Next time you're mad action. And I'm going to play Rock and Roll is King by Electric Light Orchestra. That was uh, the Rock and Roll Express's music at the time. Even though they didn't win the match, I was like, eh. when else are we going to get to play this kind of match? Probably never. Exactly. 
If you like us, you can always go and rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Podcoin, or just wherever you, you find your podcast at. You can always email us at WrestlingHistoryX at gmail.com. Or you can always find us on Twitter, just tweeting away at WrestlingHistoX. That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X. We'll talk to you next week.